wanted to give you a quick update on something. Um, as you are probably been made aware of, and you've received a series of letters from our leadership team here at Rolling Plains Church uh, over the course of this spring and into the summer, is that you probably heard, whether it's on social media or in other places, uh, that the current denomination, United Methodist Church, is going through a, a separation and it's going through a split. And there's a new expression of Methodism called the Global Methodist Church that is uh, being formed. What's been really exciting is, is that our leadership team, as a result of this information, has been doing a lot of praying and a lot of soul searching, brought in some coaches, um, and, and mainly has had a lot of dialogue with you in the congregation. And my main purpose for updating you on, on the platform here today is to ask you to continue to have that dialogue, to find a lead team member or talk with me and, and, and talk about what's happening in the current disaffiliation, uh, how the Lord is leading our leadership team to bring the church to a congregational vote probably sometime at the beginning of 2023 as a result to join potentially the Global Methodist Church. And uh, if you didn't receive those letters, make sure that you're on our email list. Uh, if you still want a copy of those letters, uh, you can talk to me or any of our church office staff and we can get you a copy of those. But you should know that at our September lead team meeting coming up in a couple of weeks, we're probably going to put together a date or two so that we can all come together as a congregation, not on a Sunday morning. And we've been trying to avoid these conversations on Sunday morning to just not get distracted with it and continue to keep the main thing the main thing. But maybe on a Sunday night to bring the congregation together to have discussions for you to be able to have some Q&A, ask, ask some questions about what exactly is going on. What is, what, what's the reasons behind that? What's the Global Methodist Church all about? And the excitement that uh, your leadership team is feeling uh, as they've been speaking with you and having wonderful conversations about where God may be leading Rolling Plains Church. So a couple things to note. Number one, no decision has been made. Uh, when the decision time comes, the, there will be a congregation-wide vote, and you as the members of Rolling Plains Church will ultimately make that decision. We think the timeline will be probably sometime in early 2023, because the deadline for that is annual conference of June of 2023, and that doorway is kind of closing rather quickly as a result of that. So I wanna encourage you to continue to engage your lead team members. Uh, if you don't know who they are, go back to those letters. They're all listed there. You can call the church office. We can give you a list of those. I can give you a list of those. Any of our lead team members, including myself, we'd love to come to your life group or your Sunday school class have a conversation with you about it, help educate you on it. If you have any questions about it, love to give you more information about that. But friends, just know this, uh, we are gonna continue to focus on the name above all names, no matter what the name on the doorway says, it's the name of Jesus Christ, friends. And that is gonna be to the glory of God. And we're not gonna allow this to, yeah, praise be to God. And, and the reason why your lead team is taking this so seriously is because we wanna free up the rest of the congregation to continue to live out our mission of coming as we are, to connect with God and others, to grow in God's word, and to go and help others in Jesus' name. And so when the right time for communication, uh, and it's gonna happen, we're gonna do that for you. When the right time for us to gather, we're gonna set that up for us. We're gonna bring in coaches. We're gonna bring in conversation, conversationalists and help us think through that. That being said, uh, Bishop Palmer, the Bishop of the West Ohio Conference, has a latest video out that you may wanna see. And that's now available on our website. Um, there's a couple of videos that explain all of this on our website. Just click on the icon that has the United Methodist Church and the Global Methodist Church in the same box, and it'll take you to several resources that are really, really helpful. Uh, the bishop will have a couple of videos on there. Jeff Greenway, that represents the Global Methodist Church, has an incredible video. It's about 45 minutes long that really explains a lot of this. So friends, there's no information being kept. It's all there and available for you. If you have any questions, 
uh, come, uh, come see one of us. We'd love to talk to you about that. But continue to trust that God is guiding us and leading us in incredible ways. I mean, look around what God is doing in our church and all the children we had up here yet, last week, and we were celebrating the new ministries that God is doing and all of the ways to connect. God is moving in, in incredible ways. So church, continue to focus on the two things that God calls us to, the great commandment and the great commission, to love God and to love others as we would love ourselves and to continue to spread the good news of Jesus Christ with the Great Commission, making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And we're gonna stay focused on that. So pray for your leadership team. We continue to pray for God's church. We serve a good and amazing God. Now, that did not count against my preaching time. I just wanna say that, so let me, let me push the reset button right. That's not the sermon, friends. That's just a word of encouragement a word of update so that you know that we're on top of things, so that you know that we want to engage with you, we want to have conversations. Now let's move on to the sermon for the day. Friends, we need rest. And this is what we've been talking about and preaching in this sermon series called Finding Rest. I mean, we are in desperate need of it, but we ain't got no time for it. And that's one of the biggest challenges of the reason why we're so worn out and weary and the reasons we don't seek rest is because we don't have enough time. And after all, if we did take a rest, things may fall apart as a result of it. I mean, things could stop. Uh, families could tumble down if we actually followed God's commands and rest. And we've been looking at the fourth commandment, by the way. The fourth commandment is the only one out of those 10 commandments which starts with the word remember. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Why? Why is that the one out of the 10? Because it's probably the one we struggle to remember and to keep the most. It's the greatest struggle because, well, we don't have time for rest, if you're looking at your sermon notes. We just don't have time for rest. We ask questions like, are we even allowed to rest? Are we even allowed to take a break? There's so much going on in our life. We're going 24-7. We got things to do, places to be, people to see. And if you might feel a lack in your finances, that's probably... Other people feel that too. If you might feel a lack in your material things, well, maybe other people feel that too. But the one commodity that most of us can agree that we feel like we lack is time. We really struggle to have enough time. That's why we make statements like, well, there's just no rest for the weary, right? Well, we better find rest for the weary, otherwise we're gonna collapse. We also say statements like this, time is, say that louder, time is money, right? Time is a commodity. We say, listen, we may have enough money, but we probably ever feel like we don't ever have enough time. The very reason we think we can't rest because life is so full is the very reason we must figure out rest. And we've got to be intentional about it. That's what we're doing in this sermon series. We must be intentional about finding rest. Why? Well, because quite frankly, according to the fourth commandment, to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, if we're not intentional about it, it may just never happen. Because nobody else is going to find rest for you, we have to make it happen in our own life because the default of the human soul is busyness and chaos. You know, our schedules are so full, they're so busy, I've got no time for rest. This is the things that we repeat all the time. When someone asks us how we're doing, well, we're busy. What do you do for, you know, who are you? Tell me, tell me who you are. And then we talk about our jobs and, and our careers, and we're always on the go. We're always laying brick by brick by brick. And the question is, if we feel like we have no time, if we feel like we're so busy, the question is, who set our schedule? That's the question we're asking today. Who's the one that set our schedule? Who's the one that decided that we have no time for rest? After all, your God is the God of the universe. He is the Lord our God. He is an infinite God. Now, what does it mean that he is an infinite God? 
He is an infinite God, which means that God does not know time. He always was, he is, and he always will be. God is not shortened by time. He's not concerned by time. And our God somehow is always on time, friends. So I want you to look to the person to your left and say, God is always on time. Now I want you to look to the person on your right and this time say it like you mean it, all right? And if you gotta look across the aisle way, you can do that too. If you don't know the person sitting next to you, you just say, God is always on time. He is always on time. Now if our God is infinite, if he knows no time, if he's not limited by time, if, he, if he's always on time, then why do we put limits on our God and what he can do in our life when it comes to our time? You see, God commands it. He tells us that we need rest. And the same strength of restraint that he practiced on the seventh day, think about this for a second. God is God. I mean, God could have kept creating. He could have kept making. He could have kept building up this world to be a better place, as Michael Jackson would say, right? He just could have kept working. He could have kept doing those things. But on the seventh day, he showed us the strength of restraint, and he rested And friends, if that kind of God lives in us, then his ability to practice restraint and rest also lives in us. You see, friends, God puts no limit on rest. We put the limits on God. We put the limits on rest, friends. We're the ones that hold our schedule, friends. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 22, I love how the message paraphrase translates this verse of Scripture from the, uh, the original text. It says, slow down, take a deep breath, we did that last week, right? Remember we did some spiritual breathing? Just kind of breathe in. Did anybody practice that this week when something was coming your way and you're like, and just let it out? And then rather than react, you responded? You see, reacting is when you lose your mind in a situation. Responding is you've taken a deep breath and okay, I'm gonna find the right way to respond. Now you still might lose your mind in that situation, but at least you've given it to God for a couple of seconds before you do all right? And so we practice this spiritual breathing. It says, slow down, take a deep breath. What's the hurry? You ever ask yourself that question? What's the hurry? Why wear yourself out? Just what are you after anyway? But you say, I can't help it. I'm addicted to alien gods. I can't quit. What are those alien gods? Did you know that busyness is an addiction and it is an alien god if you allow it to be? And that's also another commandment that we have no other gods before our God, no other idols before our God, and busyness and work can become an idol. We are running 100 miles an hour, we're wearing ourselves out, and we don't even know what we're chasing. Can I get an amen from somebody here today? We don't even know what we're doing half of that for anyways. Our hair's on fire, we're passing people by, we're angry, frustrated, irritable. We got no idea how to do what our life and our soul is crying out for, and that is to find rest. And the first step towards healing whenever you're battling an addiction is to admit that you have a problem and we have a culture that is addicted to busyness. And so all of us are gonna raise our hand right now and we are gonna, we're gonna take the first step in the 12-step program, recovery program for any addiction, and that is to, to go ahead and admit that you have a problem. Okay, so you're gonna repeat after me, okay? Hi, my name is fill in the blank. No, you're not supposed to say fill in the blank. That's not, that's not how this goes. So, so, no, no, say, so, 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 hi, my name is John, all right? And Okay, here, ready? Ready for the, the, the confession here? I ain't got no time. I'm a busyaholic. Lord, help me. 
Doesn't that feel so good to just finally admit that? <laughs> First of all, it feels good that you know your own name. Praise be to God, okay? But it feels so good to be able to admit that. I mean, we got an addiction. We are, we are addicted to work. We're addicted to busyness. And we say that we don't have enough time for the thing that God is commanding us to. And we're talking to the God who gives us the gift of time, who knows no time, who's always on time. And so with his help and his power and his incredible word, the word that he both gave to us in the flesh in Jesus Christ, his only son, the Bible says he is the word, but also the written word of God that's been written down on paper for us to be able to experience the life of God come out of these pages for more than 2,000 years. That's never changed, friends. It's the same word that was good more than 2,000 years ago that's good today. We're gonna seek it for help, friends, in all that we do. We're gonna figure out rest today. How do we figure out rest? I, I wanna talk to you uh, about five different ways that you can figure out rest. And the first thing, to do is to get real simple again, is to become a child again. If you want to figure out rest, you've got to become a child again. And that's what Jesus implores us to do anyways in Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. Truly I tell you, Jesus speaks, unless you change and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You, now, 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 those of you that are children in this sanctuary will, will get this, but those of you who are no longer children, I want you to think back to when you were a child. Now, for some of us, we might have to think back a little bit longer than others. But you remember when you were a child, when you couldn't even remember what day it was? You didn't even know necessarily where you were going. You didn't have a concern about what you were doing. And the only thing that was an indicator of a sense of time was the rumble in your stomach, it must be time to eat, or the streetlights coming on at night when darkness fell. Those were the only kind of senses of time when you were a kid. Time seemed endless, the summer lasted forever. Oh, Jesus, why can't the summer last forever, right? We were living basically from birthday to birthday. That's the only time reference we had. And we were living for Christmas, but Christmas always seemed like it was so far away. And yet when it finally came here, it was just such a sense of wonder in our lives. Remember that sense of time or maybe that lack of sense of time that we had when we were kids and is it possible that Jesus is asking us in this moment and he's referring to a childlike sense of time for us to hold on to again? He's asking us to hold on to the ability to live in the moment like a child, to be able to sense the wonderment and fascination by our own shadow like a child. Remember how you look at your shadow for the first time? That's so cool. When was the last time you recognized that you're not alone? Your shadow's always with you. I mean, we're too old for that, right? We ain't got no time for that. I mean, when was the last time you chased fireflies until your parents hollered at you to come in? Because you were just so transfixed by the glow of their little behinds. I mean, think about that for a second. When was the last time you tested the staining power of a dandelion? Remember that when we were kids? Oh, I'd take the dandelion, I'd mush it in my hands, I'd put it all over my face, we'd get ready for battle, whatever that was. We'd put it on our clothes, then I got in trouble with my mother, she didn't care for that very much, right? but we would just, we'd just be so amazed by all the creation and everything that was around us. We weren't worried about a sense of time. We were just filled with wonderment. We were fascinated. And you see, the older that you get, the easier it is to lose that sense of wonder. And if you can't see the stars in the sky, if you can't appreciate the hummingbird blowing past your head or the bats in the evening around here in South Zanesville, at least we got bats at our house, how can you see the work of God in your life? If you can't pause long enough to recognize those things, how are you gonna be able to pause long enough to recognize the work and the presence of God in your life? That's why the psalmist wrote in chapter 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days, O Lord, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. 
Friends, think about this. The psalmist is basically relating to us that foolish people live like the ride never stops. Foolish people, they live like, well, there's never gonna be an end to whatever it is we're doing. At the end of the week, end of the month, end of the year, end of our life, they don't take time to contemplate just how, how short life really is. And we have got to learn to live with a childlike notice in our hearts to be able to see the Lord's handiwork in everyday moments of life and to live with that awe and wonder again. And you see, friend, that's what happens when you stop working one day a week. That's what happens when you honor the fourth commandment and keep it holy. It forces us to adjust our lenses. It forces us to adjust our focus to grapple with the number of our days. And when you are able to pause to count the number of your days, that Sabbath rest can make time cease as we rest from the tyranny of the urgent and the mundanity of the work week that we have. And rather than working for the weekend, we'll find ourselves on the weekend resting for the Lord so we can have a better week for him as well. You see, when you regain a childlike sense of awe and reverence and wonder, you'll do that when you find rest and when you find more of God. So how do we figure out rest? Well, first of all, we need to become a child again. Secondly, we need to check our calculation of time. We need to check our calculation of time. Think about this for a second. If time is money, right? We say time is money, time is a commodity, then Sabbath keeping may be free. Think about this for a second. Sabbath keeping may be free. In other words, when you take a Sabbath day, is it possible that you will regain that day at the end of your life? And is it possible that if you don't ever take a rest day, then your life is gonna be shorter than those who have taken that Sabbath day? Friends, the answer to that is absolutely yes. There have been studies done that people that practice the Sabbath actually recuperate those days at the end of life. In other words, you end up living longer because you haven't run yourself into the ground. All the heart doctors in the house are nodding their heads and saying, absolutely, right? You're gonna live longer than those people who don't take a break, that don't take a rest. And the Bible hints at a cause and effect relationship between keeping Sabbath rest and actually living longer, but not only living longer, having a higher quality of abundant living as well. You see, friends, living 24-7 is life-draining. Actually, let's make it more significant than that. Living 24-7 is life taking. It's life taking. It's no way to live. It's no way to live. And God does not tell you to live 24-7. But a day of rest every seven days is absolutely life renewing and life giving. So friends, if we're going to figure out rest, we have got to recalculate our sense of time. And thirdly, we've got to get grounded. We've got to get grounded. You know, like the Hebrew people who were wandering in the desert for 40-some years, we are wanderers as well. I mean, think about this. The amount of time people spend living in the same home or the same job or the same town or the same church anymore is decreasing with every new generation. And it gets, uh, it gets shorter, and, we, and, we leave many, and it leaves many of us feeling uprooted and longing and searching for home or a place of belonging because we are no longer grounded. We're always on the move. And there is a struggle that comes along with that in finding a clear sense of purpose. And as a result of that, we want to go back in time, but we can't. Remember the song from Eddie Money back in the 80s? I want to go back and do it all over. But, I, but what did he say? But I can't go back, I know. I can't go. Sometimes I get a little nostalgic. I like to think about the younger days, the younger years, and when I was a kid, and 
What's really cool about that is my parents are still in the same house that I grew up in. And so this past June, I took a break and, and went back to my folks' house. We kind of went home, you know, for four or five days, helped my dad fell some trees. We're still alive, thanks be to God. If you saw some of the Facebook photos, you might scratch your head and wonder if we were going to survive that idiocy that was out there. But uh, I, I always have this sense of, hey, I, I can go back. I can be a child again just for a moment. Things are going to be just like they were. They're not. The Ponderosa that I grew up working at as a 16-year-old, my first full-time, my first part-time job, it's no longer there. It's gone. Is there a Ponderosa left in, at all in America? That's a sad thing. We ought to mourn that. I mean, come on now. Uh, the, 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 the Salem Mall, which is where I used to hang out with my friends and go shopping for clothes and things like that, it's gone. It's leveled. You know, all the friends that I knew and this and that, they're all gone and they're moved on. Actually, some of them, sadly, are no longer with us on this earth. Friends, the, 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 the desire for us to be able to go back to exactly how things used to be, this drive and desire to go back home, it's not there. And there's a dis disorienting sense that comes with constant shifting, and there's this ache to be able to, 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 to go back home, but what we translate that is, what we, what we should translate that is, is that it's an ache to get back into the presence of God. It's an ache to get closer to our true home, and that is from our creator God, and, and, and that ache and that longing is honestly, it's just a desire to know God more and to be known more by God's people, and, and, and that's why, friends, no matter how homeless you might feel in your life, that's why God's church can always be your home. This is what we're here for. This is why we gather. You see, the fourth commandment is rest in the presence of God, and we meet him in time and space. And like God rested on the seventh day, stopping makes rest possible. And it's where we learn the character of God. It's where we get our feet firmly planted and grounded and, and rooted and firmed up in our relationship with God. It's where we we, we allow God and give God room to work when we rest and when we stop. You see, when we're in constant motion, we don't know what we are really walking on, and we don't know what we don't know, and we can't see what we can't see, and we can't do what we've not done before. Well, because we're just constantly in motion, and all of a sudden, we understand what we're walking on. We understand the ground we're standing on, the presence that God has given us. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 5, we see that illustrated. Moses has seen a burning bush while he's tending his flock and sheep, and, and all of a sudden, God calls to him from that burning bush, and the Bible says that Moses says, hmm, I shall go over and see this strange phenomenon, this bush that's on fire but is not consumed by the fire. He shows up, and God speaks to him from the bush in verse 5 and says, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, Moses, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Basically, God is saying, be still and know that I am God. He's saying to Moses, stop moving and be still. How many of us would be able to obey that if God was talking to us from a burning bush? I mean, some of us, we'd be too busy driving by. Hey, look, there's a burning bush. I got things to do. I got no time for that. Right? Think about that for a second. Now, he says to Moses, hey, hey, stop. Stop and smell the roses. Be still and know that I am God. Moses, I want you to take off your shoes. I want you to feel the earth underneath your toes. I want you to get grounded. I want you to know that this is a holy moment. I want you to know that I am the Lord your God. And friends, when was the last time you stopped long enough to feel the grass under your feet? When was the last time that you slowed down long enough to feel the sand between your toes? You don't need to go to Myrtle Beach for that. Just go out to the sandbox. When was the last time you felt the sand between your toes? When was the last time that you, you felt the dirt in your garden and your toenails? That's right, Pastor John is telling you, you need a little bit more toe jam. Because if you had a little bit more toe jam, people would say, there's a person that knows how to rest. 
there's a person that knows how to rest. When was the last time you were able to see what you were unable to see before, where you got grounded in the moment, and so much so that you took in all that God is with a deep, soulful reality of the very ground you're walking on and the very air that you were breathing to realize in that moment that everything that you have has been created and made by him as a constant outpouring of his love and creativity for you. You see, friends, that's why the Sabbath day is such a good day. It's such a good day to stay home and to realize that you're on holy ground, to step out into your own yard and to walk your neighborhood and to see things you've not seen before. That's right, some of you are in a neighborhood and, and, and there's still things in your neighborhood you've never seen before because you've never slowed down long enough to recognize that there, those things that are really there. Sit on your front porch, maybe watch a rabbit munch on some grass, hopefully not your vegetables in your garden. You know, the world seems a little bit saner when you can hear the birds calling. I'm talking to some of the right people here today. You see, the Sabbath day expands our sense of time as we slow down long enough to stop and actually smell the roses that are in our yard. We're on the go so much, it might be restful to actually get to know the place where we live. I mean, some of you here, you've lived here your whole life, but you've never had a chance to visit Putnam Hill Park and to stand up on that cliff and overlook the Y Bridge. And to just spend a moment to breathe deeply and breathe out and watch the water rush off of that waterfall and spillway that's there. To be able to see the beauty of, of God's creation and the buildings of downtown Zanesville, to see the hospital off back in the distance. You see, some of us have never had that experience. Friends, some of us have never been to Mission Oaks Garden nestled in the heart of the, the Zanesville area and the Zanesville community off the Dresden Road area. It is a treasure trove of beauty and nature, smack dab in the middle of a subdivision. There are, there are paths that you can walk with mulch on them and there's, there's all kinds of gardens and flowers and there's a little waterfall. There's even a gnome garden back in there. But careful, you go back, they might break out into a movie or something like that, I don't know. But uh, it's, just, it's just picturesque, friends. When was the last time you got to know your own neighborhood? Some of you lived here all your life and you'd never been to Blackhand Gorge and, and walked or biked that asphalt uh, bikeway and even got off the beaten path and walked into some of the dirt paths that exist there. Or when was the last time, instead of driving by Dillon Lake, you, you stopped and paused long enough to allow your kids or grandkids to go on the playground equipment or go down to the spillway and throw a line into the water or just to stick your toes in the river and say and be reminded of just how blessed we are. Friends, walk to somewhere you have not been before or haven't been in a while. You see, God planted trees. He created animals and bodies of water for the looking. It's his masterpiece that says, I am your loving creator, God. He created these things so that you could lie down in green pastures. He created these things so that you could be led beside the quiet waters. He did so that you, so that you, you could get grounded and so in order to do so, you gotta turn off your car, you gotta turn off the cell phone, you gotta turn off the lawn tractor long enough to hear the wind rustling in the trees and the even quieter whisper of the Lord our God. You see, friends, getting grounded yields a kind of stillness that allows us to hear and to see what has always been there but we've missed. And you wanna know what, friends, no matter how tragic it was and no matter how much PTSD we have from it, COVID-19 did bring us a couple of gifts, one of which is it actually forced us to realize all that we've had that we hadn't seen before. It forced us to stay home. We were literally grounded, right? We were grounded to stay home, to slow down, to stop producing, to stop going and do this. And, 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 and so what some people realized after the first weeks or the first months of this, and they're kind of like, 
there's a tragedy going on, but this, this is kind of nice. So you're my family. What's your names again? Nice to meet you, right? All of a sudden, you got to know the garden that's been out back in your house you haven't seen for three years because you're just buzzing by it all the time on a lawnmower. And people all of a sudden started to gain a sense of giftedness and, and refreshment by being forced to stay home. Our routine slowed down. We all had to slow down, friends. And so maybe, friends, we need to keep practicing what God taught us there, not every day of our lives anymore, but at least one day a week, and get grounded, to get grounded at home every seventh day. So your pastor has a message for you that you probably heard from your parents when you were a kid. Young lady, you're grounded. Young man, you're grounded. And it's not because of bad behavior, it's actually a gift. As a child, we never wanted to hear those words, but I'm here to tell you, as an adult, if someone tells me I'm grounded and I've got permission to relax at home one day a week, I'm in. How does that sound, friends? I saw a meme on Facebook uh, last couple of weeks. It's hilarious. Uh, I'm going to butcher it, but it goes a little bit something like this. It says, you know, when we were kids, we were desperate to stay up past 9 o'clock. We were, we were desperate uh, to, to, to say, Mom and Dad, can I stay up a little bit later? I want to watch this movie. I want to do this, and I want to do that. And, uh, and mom and dad said, well, when you get older, you can set your own schedule. You can go to bed whenever you want when you become an adult. And guess what? As an adult, it turns out that's 9 p.m. Think about that for a second. God in grounding is actually giving us a gift as an adult that we didn't want to hear when we were kids, but as an adult, we know we desperately need it. So friends, just take it as a gift from God. Receive God's gift and permission to rest. That's number four. If we're going to figure out rest, we've got to receive God's permission to actually take that rest. You see, we tend to place great value on work and what it produces, and we think that work is more noble than rest. And we're not talking about laziness. That word does not appear in, in Scripture. It doesn't appear as a good thing. It does appear in Scripture, but it's not a good thing. That's not what we're talking about here when it comes to the Sabbath. And see, Satan is going to shame us and guilt us for resting because somehow working is more noble than a Sabbath rest. But friends, Sabbath rest is about laying down the things of this earth and laying up treasures in heaven. You see, it's not just about laying brick on earth, but the Sabbath teaches us that it's about laying treasures in heaven. In Exodus chapter 16 and Numbers chapter 11, God gives us the permission for the Sabbath when he teaches the Israelites about manna and the Sabbath. You remember in those years when they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, there were no stores, there were no grocery places that you could go to get vegetables or produce or food. And so what did God do to provide food for them every evening or every night he would rain down what from heaven that would be there the next morning to pick up? What? Manna. Manna from heaven, right? And so every morning there was this sweet bread-like substance that would, that would fill, the, the, fill the, uh, the, the floor of, of God's earth, and, and they would go and gather it, and then when the, when the sunlight hit it, it would kind of melt away. And, and they were instructed by God to gather enough food for the day, but to not gather more than what they needed for that day and not try to store anything overnight now, like good human beings, some of them obeyed God and some of them didn't because as human beings, we always say, well, I'm gonna take control. I wanna make sure that I don't have enough to just take care of for today. I wanna make sure tomorrow and the day after that is cared for my own power and strength. And so some of them gathered, as we know the Bible tells us, more than they needed for that day and they stored it away. And guess what happened when they woke up that next day? It happened exactly how God said it was gonna happen. That, that manna that they tried to store for the next day was rotten, rancid, had maggots in it. It was horrible, and it, it, it was rank. It stunk because God said, I want you to gather enough just for this day. 
And it really brings a highlight to the Lord's Prayer when it says, Lord Jesus, give us this day our daily bread. Just, Lord God, give us enough to sustain us for this day. Friends, that harkens back to the wandering of the Israelites in the Old Testament days. Now, here's the amazing piece about this, friends. That was the truth for six days of the week. But on the sixth day of the week, they were instructed to gather a double portion of manna. On that sixth day, they were, they were instructed by God. On the, all the other days, only, only one day are you just to gather. But on that sixth day, I want you to gather a double portion so that you had enough for two days. And you want to know why? Because the next day was the Sabbath day. And when they woke up and they gathered that double portion, on other nights and other days when they woke up, it was rancid when they gathered extra. But on that day before the Sabbath, when they gathered extra, they woke up the next morning and, and, and that manna tasted as sweet as it did the day before. And here's why. Because on that seventh day, it was a day of rest. And God was telling them, it's a day set aside for me. You're not even supposed to gather food on that day. And in doing so, God set aside the Sabbath for you and for me. He gave the Israelites permission to rest, and he's given it to you today. And that's why Jesus said to the devil when he was being tempted in the wilderness for 40 days, um, when, when, the, when the devil said to Jesus, hey, why don't you turn that rock into some food? I'm sure you're hungry. Jesus shot back at him with scripture and says, basically, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, friends, most of us are drawn by an urgency of the physical more than we are the spiritual, but the Sabbath reminds us that we need the urgency of both. And there is more to life than just food. There is more to life than just drink. There's more to life than just carrying on. There's more to life than just brick by brick by brick. Your soul needs spiritual bread, and that bread can only come from the Lord. And you see, most often when we go through trials, it causes our faith to blossom and the bread of life to rise in the oven of, of, of life and gratitude grows as a result of God bringing miracles in the midst of our trials and our struggles. But you see, rest and the Sabbath can do the very same thing. We see miracles and we see increases in God's wonder without the problem of a miracle that miracles necessitate. Let me, let me say that in another way. You've always heard me say that every miracle necessitates a problem, and the bigger the problem that you have, the bigger the, bigger the miracle you can expect. Now, that is partially true. I want to confess to you that there's another way you can experience a miracle and to see the awe and the wonder of God without having to come out of it from a problem, and that is Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest allows you to see the miraculous nature of God and to experience his provision without being on the backside of a tremendous and enormous problem. You see, in Sabbath rest, we feel the Lord's presence. Our cup gets filled, and we're reminded that, the God, that God is the source of life, and therefore, we regain a sense of wonder and awe of our God as our great provider. There is no shame to rest in the Lord. We need the Sabbath for the perspective it gives. And so, friends, here's the last way. Here's the last way that we can figure out the Sabbath. We have to invest in the friendship. We have to invest in the friendship as we figure out the Sabbath. You see, friendships take time. And, and, and in the Sabbath, we come to rest and to draw near to the Lord. And we retreat and spend time together in prayer with God. We retreat and spend time in Bible study with God. We retreat and spend time 
with church, with God, just to be with the Lord. And the more time we make with the Lord, the more the conversation grows and the better able we are to get past the surface and into a deeper level of friendship and the restoration of our souls. We need quality time with God, but we also need a quantity of time with God. But see, sadly, most of us are not quiet long enough to get past the surface with God because we have not stopped to listen and to see what we haven't seen or to hear what we haven't heard. You see, honoring the seventh day makes us more committed and serious about our relationship with the Lord, and Jesus models this. I mean, Jesus did more in three years than most of us do in a lifetime, but he knew how to stop, and that's what he did on a regular basis. He stole away to spend time doing nothing but being with his Father in a relationship, and he kept the Sabbath. You see, friends, maybe we don't need to go 24-7. Maybe six days is enough. And if you try to get more, maybe your manna is going to turn into maggots. Well, we don't even realize it. You see, finding rest is about time, and nobody holds the calendar of your life but you. Well, if you're a child, maybe your parent does, but that's another story. So, friends, here's some action steps, and we're going to land the plane for today. Number one, are you getting spiritual bread? You need spiritual bread. Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word uh, uh, from God. Friends, are we getting that spiritual bread from the word of God in our life? Are we taking time to rest in the word of God and to know him more? Secondly, set aside 15 minutes a day and a day a week for God. Set aside 15 minutes a day to feed on the word of God, to be in prayer, uh, reflection, to just pause and stop and soak in all that God is, to allow your toes to touch the grass. And then do that one day a week. Do that one day a week and practice a Sabbath to the best of your ability. And then third and finally, this is gonna be the greatest action step of all. Uh, would you ground your family on the Sabbath? Just go ahead. You have the pastor's permission. You're grounded. Young lady, you're grounded. Young man, you're grounded. And give yourself permission to be grounded one day a week. Now, as a child, that sounds like torture, but I'm here to tell you, as an adult, that sounds like heaven. Who's ready? Who's ready to get grounded? Well, friends, not only do you have permission from your God, you are commanded by your God to get grounded. And, uh, and, 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 and the Lord wants to tell you through your pastor that that's God's plan. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you for your message. We, we thank you for your cry to us to slow down, to, to take a deep breath, to, to take our sandals off and to be able to dig our, 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 our toes into things that we've forgotten about, the simplicity of the grass in our yard or the sand in a sandbox, Lord God, or to, or to get out and enjoy the beauty of, of, uh, of uh, Putnam Hill Park and, and, uh, and, and the scenery that you have, to, to, to just to sit in a chair on the front porch of the back deck and and to just soak in the wind rustling in the leaves. Lord God, we've, we, we, we've forgotten about the hummingbird that's just coming to our feeder every day. God, allow us to stop and to rest in you. Lord God, we thank you for the permission you've given us. Lord God, we, we, we cry out to you to show us the life, uh, the childlike life of a, of, a, of a mentality of a child, to be in wonder and awe again about the simple things in life. Lord God, help us to be grounded in your word and to be physically sometimes grounded to our, our own dwellings or our own home just to rest and to relax and to spend the day knowing you more and to know each other more. Lord God, thank you for the gift that you give us. Would you stir our hearts today, Lord God, allow conviction to fall over us for us to rest from our labors 
and to seek a day where we give our labors to you, Lord God. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everybody said together, amen and amen. Now, friends, I want to invite you to stand right now. And when you're standing, we're going to sing this closing song. And I want you to know that our prayer team members are going to be up here. They're going to be willing to pray with you absolutely every single Sunday. And uh, perhaps, perhaps God is drawing you to this commitment of finding rest. And you just have no idea how this is going to happen. And you want to seek the Lord and you want to pray. I want to invite you that the altar is open. Come forward and pray. God, help me find rest. God, help me slow down. Lord God, help me to make the time in my busy calendar and my busy schedule. And to know that you don't have to do that work on your own, friends. Because our God is the God of the Sabbath, and that Sabbath rest lives in you. So let's seek the one who can show us true rest. Just know that uh, we can anoint you with oil if you have a challenge, if there's struggles in your life. If you, if you desire the weight of this life to be lifted, oh, friends, there's no better way to do that than, than to pray. The altar is open. Come see God and what he might do as we sing and as we pray. Let's sing.